Hello, welcome to the show. I'm Maria Johnson, your host. Today's guest is Erica Vervo Hackman, a purposeful traveler and connector who recently became a parent. She is currently based in New York, though Erica has spent much of her adult life traveling. She spent five years studying and working in countries in the Middle East, Asia, the Caribbean, and Africa. She's also been working in travel for the past 10 years. Her tips have been featured in publications including Levo League, the Positive Psychology Podcast, and Forbes. Erica is determined to keep travel a part of her family's reality. Her son is two years old and has already been on 20 flights and lived five months in Ghana, where Erica's husband Rich is from. In this episode, we talk about being pregnant during the pandemic, creating a tri-coastal life, living in New York City with a baby, differences of parenting in Ghana, and how travel has changed Erica's perspective on parenting for the better. Stay tuned and I hope you enjoy it. Welcome to Biggest Adventure Yet, a podcast for adventurous, creative, and global humans raising the next generation. I'm Mari, your host, a new-ish mother who lives abroad, thrives on travel, creativity, and the outdoors. Chase down a brand new adventure, step up, step out, and enter Erica, hello. I have been looking forward to talking to you because I feel like we have a few things in common and just be good to hear your perspective and how it's going with your son. We haven't talked since either of us had a kid and our sons are very similar age. Yours just turned two and mine is almost two. Uh, and you love travel. I think you love travel even more than I do, which says a lot because I love travel, but <laughs> I know you kind of live and breathe travel. So I'm interested to hear how that's going now as a family. And then your husband is from a different country. He's from Ghana. And I know you've been spending time over there. And it's just uh, interested to see how you're kind of doing this multicultural family thing since I live in a different country than um, I'm from. And so it's kind of a whole different experience with that. But, you know, it adds in kind of an automatic sense of travel, which is good. <laughs> Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I know you have said your son, who's two, you really took advantage of the free flights and he's been on 20 flights so far, which I think is very impressive. I did. Mm -hmm. I tried counting my son. I think he's only been on eight, which I guess could be a lot for some people. But for me, that seems like I did not take advantage <laughs> of the free flights enough. The eight flights are long flights, aren't they? <laughs> two, yeah, only we've been to the U.S. once so far. So two oh. of the flights were long and the rest were just in New Zealand. So short flights, but. <laughs> I feel like it's worth also saying that we both got pregnant during the pandemic. <laughs> that yeah. is something that I feel like bonds me together with so many moms of like two and three year olds because mm -hmm. it is a whole different world like being pregnant and then a very new mother like this is our first child and mm -hmm. our like you know having to do all of that during the pandemic is definitely a, a bonding experience I feel like that's going to be something that we use when we do like never have I ever in 30 years like never have I ever gotten pregnant during a pandemic and we could like put a finger down because we're one of the few <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. I I completely agree, and especially for people who love travel. Even before having a baby, the pandemic changed, you know, what we could do mm-hmm. in that sense. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so how was it for you having you were living in New York City during yeah. COVID? Yeah, I'll back it up a little bit because <laughs> it's so funny. Um, when I first met my husband, Rich, on our like first or second date, we came up with this whole plan called 552. <laughs> and we wanted to live five months in New York, five months in California, and two months in Ghana for the rest of our life. Now, like it doesn't have to be crazy rigid, but that was like the plan that we were setting mm-hmm. out after we had known each other for like a total of 10 hours. Right. <laughs> That's and we were, we were like, <laughs> we were dreaming up like, okay. If we can just think so big, like, what would we want? We would want this tri-coastal lifestyle. We would want this lifestyle that was literally, like, fast, fast, chaotic New York City with, like, partnered with some, you know, suburban California beachy time and then also complemented by a very, like, slow, relaxing, more rural, even though, you know right outside of Accra is not necessarily rural, but like a very chill experience in Ghana where things just happen to go slower, especially like for us, obviously not for everyone. Um, And so we came up with this idea. We were like running with it, 552 everything. And uh, we were fast to fall in love. (laughs) And we had planned our one year anniversary to go to uh, Hawaii where we had already like basically picked out the ring that I wanted and I had already gone to Ghana and met his family and like hopefully gotten their blessings like (laughs) with the intention of getting their blessings I think they gave us their (laughs) blessings and uh and then our trip was planned our one year anniversary was March 24th of 2020 and so obviously we did not make it to Hawaii (laughs) and so we were stuck on this tiny strip of land between Manhattan and Queens called Roosevelt Island. It was a 625 square foot apartment that cost a ton of money, but we were willing to pay it because we were in the center of everything um, or so close to Manhattan Mm -hmm. and the center of everything that it was worth it Mm -hmm. until you're like locked in this tiny little box with this man that you really want to marry. But like, are you sure? Because he's getting on your nerves a lot and you guys are (laughs) working remotely like five feet away from each other (laughs) um and so like it was a whole different experience than what I thought like March 15th like would happen by March 15th right like March 17th rolls around and everything's canceled um so my whole life sort of got flipped upside down but um not in a terrible way obviously I was super in love with my boyfriend at the time and so you know at the beginning of the pandemic um it was just like doom and gloom all day long for like months and months and months and we found out in July that we were pregnant and we were so excited because we both really wanted to start a family we're like well what better time to be pregnant than like a time when people can't really move and do things and like we can just like be here be a unit like be healthy and like have this contained environment and our lives aren't so crazy so we sort of went into it with um 
a good attitude, but also we really wanted to get married. So we ended up getting married a month later on a rooftop in masks uh, with just a few family, like immediate right. family members. And so that was sort of like the start of this whole motherhood journey mm -hmm. was like, oh, find out you're pregnant. A month later, you have a wedding dress made by your best friend uh -huh. to accommodate like a growing belly. And then you're sort of like thrust into the next few months of pregnancy and then becoming a mom. So um, I forget where you started that question, but that's where I got to. Yeah, no, I love that. I think <laughs> the backstory is also good to hear. And I love that. Oh, just the, um, I can totally picture a rooftop wedding in New York. It sounds so magical. Actually, I think rooftops are such a part of New York City. Um, that sounds mm -hmm. like a really you know, great way to do it. And I'm glad that you were able to have a wedding. I know so many people canceled their weddings uh, mm -hmm. in 2020. So it's good that you made it happen. And yeah, mm -hmm. that would be quite the, all of a sudden it's like, well, <laughs> this is all happening. <laughs> no going back now. It's all so new. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. And I love what you said um, about the 552. I think that's so... Um, well, for me, that's feels like goals that I could live up to. Of, <laughs> I'm not sure mm -hmm. where the third place I would put in yet, but um, for me, trying to spend my time mm -hmm. between California and New Zealand is definitely part of my life mm -hmm. plan and my partners. And I think we talked about that kind of as soon as we started dating as well. <laughs> and he was like, that's fine. Mm -hmm. We can have a house in both places. And I was like, sure. <laughs> <laughs> we still don't have a house in either place, but you know, <laughs> one, exactly. day. <laughs> one day. Exactly. <laughs> still a goal. <laughs> that's what I feel like too. I mean, it's good to have goals though, because honestly, it's like a fun goal to sort of play around with. Like, you know, if if you don't have a goal to have two or three houses, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, you, you may get, you may just get a little comfy and maybe that's not what you want your life to be. Yeah. And so if you are a traveler, like, how can you keep that alive? Um, I always like plugging into already existing communities. So like, mm -hmm. that's why it doesn't appeal to me to like, just be floating around the world with my family like because that just seems really honestly hard mm -hmm. I don't know how families do that because I feel like to make and create like uh fulfilling relationships with people actually takes something so to keep like uprooting and moving is it was really hard for me as a solo traveler um, that was like the hardest part for me, you know, falling in love with people that I spent a whole year with or a year and a half with mm -hmm. and then like thinking I will probably never see you again or maybe I'll see you twice more before I die, you know, like right. I don't know when I'll be back in this part of the world. So that's not I was very conscious that that's not the kind of life I wanted to live once I started a family. Not that I didn't want to go travel and explore new places, but I don't really have like a desire to like do what I was doing from 20 to 26 years old, which was basically like 
moving every six to six months to year and a half and just like uprooting everything and starting again. Mm -hmm. So that's why this like five, five, two of like having exact like houses with the things that you want or places to stay with the things that you want and the family ready to greet you, Mm -hmm. the friends ready to greet you whenever you get there, like is so appealing (laughs) to me. Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, you know, I was like you before I, I could just move wherever I want and I liked that the friend thing is hard because you end up having friends all over the world which is really cool but then like mm. uh you know it's nice to have friends in real life as well um so <laughs> that, that it does get to be hard but I've found once you are become a parent it's just so much more important that you have that community in real life for me with all my family in a different country I've found that aspect to be hard so Yeah, I could understand what you're saying for sure. Yeah, there's a whole different layer for you being in New Zealand and not just not having family, but not being allowed to travel anywhere. I'm sure it has taken a toll on like your ability to feel like you have friends and family because no one's even able to come to you or you're not able to go to them. So that had to have been super hard, just especially in in the... um, you know, having a baby and right. starting a life and like wanting wanting your family or your friends to be like to be able to hold your tiny little yeah. <laughs> son <laughs> before he's two, you right. know, and, and experience him at every age instead of just like, you know, a year and a half later when you're allowed to leave. Right. So I can't imagine that. And I am grateful for not being in a place that had severe, severe lockdowns. So what what was that like yeah. for you? Like, when did your parents meet your son? Yeah, that I mean, it was really hard. I, what Eric is referring to, is, if you're not familiar, is during COVID, since New Zealand is an island, um, you know, we are kind of in a unique position to be able to lock the border or close the borders and not let in COVID before it was here. So there wasn't really any COVID in the community. So they closed the borders and just said like, all right, we'll just keep it out. Uh, Which I think in theory, like makes sense. Um, And it was good, actually, like we were able to live uh, kind of just a regular lifestyle for a long time, uh, while the rest of the world Mm -hmm. was dealing with COVID. So that was actually nice. But the bad thing about it was that since the borders were closed, you couldn't just leave you could leave, actually, but you couldn't come back. So if you wanted to come back, you had to stay mm. in quarantine. And there was a really long wait list. It was hard to get into these quarantine hotels, and it was expensive. So it mm. wasn't easy to be able to come back. Yeah, so I think that it was mentally really hard for me because I love travel. And I just just knowing that mm-hmm. I couldn't just leave and knowing that I couldn't just go see my family just felt really hard. But I guess at the same time, that's kind of why I thought, like, well, I guess this is a good time to have a baby. (laughs) I can't go anywhere. (laughs) So that kind of ended up working out. Um, But, and actually the really good thing is that my mom actually was able to come uh, when my son was just a couple months old. So she, we still don't really understand how she got in. (laughs) She had to apply (laughs) for a special visa and they gave it to her, which was surprising to everyone. So I'm glad she tried, and that was really nice to be able to spend time with her. She came for a month. That's incredible. Yeah. We had a special um, thing happen to us, too. So we really wanted to be married. We wanted to be married before we were pregnant. And so when we got pregnant, we really wanted to be married. And in America, just insurance is 
terrible for that sort of stuff. And you really, really have to be married yeah, yeah. when you're having a kid or whatever. Right. Like, yeah. you know, you don't have to be, but it just makes it's, everything easier. It is, yeah. So we we actually, like, they were not marrying people oh. except for extenuating emergency situations. And so people that I knew in New York that wanted to get married super bad were driving long distances to go to other states that were actually marrying people. And so I was telling my husband, Rich, I was like, we, we're going to need to go to Delaware or we're going to need to go wherever. <laughs> and he's like, let me just see what I can do. And Rich is like the most capable man I've ever met. And he did some research and made some phone calls and was like, we got accepted as like an emergency situation because you're pregnant, because we need to be married for like, you know, not just insurance purposes, right. but because that's part of it <laughs> yeah, in America. It is, yeah. um, we could get married like legally in New York as one of like the only couples during the months, the first months of COVID. And so it was, wow. <laughs> it was we, nice. I also am not super sure how he got that right. special thing, but you know, hey, beginning of parenthood in a pandemic and beginning of like a, you know, marriage in a pandemic. It was just such a crazy way to sort of start such big chapters of our life. It definitely was. Yeah, it feels, yeah. I think later we'll look back mm -hmm. and just be like, what was that? <laughs> um, mm -hmm. It seems, you know, we've all kind of just adapted pretty well. But considering there's, it's been huge world events going on. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad that I guess it's, yeah, just kind of asking is um, and trying to go after what you want. <laughs> Good lesson. <laughs> just mm -hmm. try and make mm -hmm. it work. Um, mm -hmm. just like your mom. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, she tried like everything. She was like contacting all the like consulates, and um, yeah, she really oh she, <laughs> she made it happen though. Now that now that you're a mom, don't you think everything like the opposite way? Like, okay, my mom did this, you know, sort of crazy thing to be able to see my son but like wouldn't you do the same thing for your son yeah. if your son was stuck in like a country right, yeah and was having his first baby I'd be like get me in that country yeah. what's happening yeah like, 100% let me in and it it like doesn't seem as crazy it seems like of course and so I I'm feel like I'm constantly sort of putting my oh my god that somebody was thinking about me the way that I'm like doting on my son like somebody was doting on me somebody was like bathing me every night somebody <laughs> yeah. was it just it's such a bizarre like twilight zone sort of way to think about parenting and also have a lot more empathy for your parents <laughs> oh so much yeah it's really interesting I think yeah growing up you kind of just uh, I feel like you yeah you kind of take your parents for granted right they're just there you just know of they're course. there they take care of you um I mean hopefully they yeah. do and uh but becoming a parent it's like oh yeah I see I see all the sacrifices you made and how hard it was mm -hmm. and you know you definitely mm -hmm. you learn a lot more about your parents in becoming parents and mm -hmm. yeah because I feel like no matter what everyone's gonna have some <laughs> things that happen with their parents that you remember as of a kid course. or something but everyone's just trying their best and I think that's something that you always have to remember absolutely it is not easy to be a parent mm. so I feel like everyone deserves a little empathy yeah, definitely <laughs> so much more empathy for everyone wow and so is your family in California 
No, my family's in Connecticut because we're in New York. Right. But my husband has uh, some cousins and aunts and uncles in California, which is, and he went to high school there, uh, which is why California's uh, our third okay. I see. And honestly, I will go anywhere that has beaches. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. But my family all lives very close to me, actually. They live. Um, about 30 minutes away and I yeah I live sort of in the middle of New York City and where they live in Connecticut so it's 30 minutes each way which is super nice Nice. because um, New York City was my home for many 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 years Mm -hmm. and that's where everything in the world happens I feel like and (laughs) so it's it's not that far but you know we did we did make the decision to move to suburbia last year um, when we got home from our really long three-month trip to Ghana, mm-hmm. and we found a really nice, spacious apartment with, you know, a little backyard and a parking spot and, you know, not the New York City price for what that would be. Right, yeah. <laughs> so we've, like, succumbed to just, like, leaving the place that we love to, like, start a family, which I feel like is so cliche, but also it's cliche because everyone needs to do it. Yeah. Well, I think with the pandemic, more people have moved, you know, away from Mm -hmm. the city as well, just because you can work remotely. More people can now. So I think that it's probably even more common. But yeah, I'm interested to Mm -hmm. know. Well, for one, when I lived in New York, I was always really amazed at people who had kids there because I just seemed like you know it's I grew up in like a suburban area and that's kind of what I know is from being a kid but I was always Mm -hmm. amazed the people on the subway with strollers and all of that and yeah I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about your time living in New York City with a baby being pregnant was awesome it was during the pandemic so I didn't go that many places and I feel Mm -hmm. like that really helped my like back feet whatever because you know everyone always complains about that when they're pregnant and I wasn't like out and about but when I was it was like you know you're in public transit so people are like standing up and giving you their seat I felt like it was my birthday the whole time (laughs) um just like it it, from an angle of like being in New York City because I had this big belly that people could see Mm -hmm. and I was like yeah please treat me nice right I'm carrying another human um and if they didn't, like, other people would sort of look at them like, why aren't you standing up for her? She's obviously pregnant. Like, help her. Yeah. <laughs> now, mm-hmm. I say that, like, the subway experience was great when I was pregnant. Mm-hmm. The subway experience was terrible with a stroller. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Just the most awful experience I have so much empathy for people with walking problems or the you know people that are actually like confined to wheelchairs because honestly the subway system is the most radically uninclusive system I've ever seen in my whole life like I could barely get anywhere not just are most of the subway platforms like not wheelchair accessible there are like weird things that happen too. Like the elevators are almost always broken, uh, and the escalate. Some of the escalators are like twelve inches wide. Right, like an yeah. insane. So just not <laughs> like an insane width that does not make sense yeah. for anything. And so it was just I went a lot of places by myself with my son well not by myself but like as the only adult Mm -hmm. with my son with a big stroller and I was like always 
at the brink of tears whenever I was trying to get anywhere because it was just hard. And honestly, I had one really tiny son at the time. We we left like living in New York City at eight months old. Mm -hmm. So it's not like he was a toddler. It's not like he wanted to walk. I cannot like fathom how people do it with more than one kid, (laughs) especially when some of them are walking and like at that age where they don't want to hold your hand or something. How do you do that? How do you do a stroller and like... And like a two and a five-year-old, like yeah. I can't, I uh, just, I have so much empathy and uh, I revere people that are able to do that because I feel like no way yeah. in hell. That's, that's <laughs> how I feel. I'm just like picturing now my son running into the subway tracks because he's kind of at that stage where he just like loves running everywhere and he'd be like, train, train. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh my, yeah, yes. I feel like anxiety thinking about this, but also I really want to take him there. So mm. <laughs> one day. As you should. I think it's a wonderful place place and honestly I had a friend that had a five-year-old when I was pregnant a five-year-old son in New York Mm -hmm. City and she was like honestly like when I was pregnant I was terrified to like raise somebody because she's from my hometown she's like I was terrified to raise a kid in New York City because you know you just think the worst of it and everything is bad is gonna happen and she's like honestly after one year I was so in love with raising a child in the city because of how much you were able to do all day long. Like you have everything at your finger fingertips, like the culture, the anything you want to do at any time. There's so many free activities. There's so much to do. And you're just like living in living history, I guess, mm-hmm. like history being made. She was like, I would never move now. Like I cannot until he's at least 18 and he could choose where he wants to be because she's like, I love like raising a urban kid like that has so much know-how and I was like you know what I appreciate that mm. I think it's hard I don't think that you're you're I'm not hearing you say it's not hard <laughs> yeah. but I'm just hearing you say that like what is hard about it is worth it and right. so I was like I appreciate that just in case I end up here like I'll try to adopt that attitude yeah. but man the stroller was a killer the stroller, <laughs> yeah I guess you have to do baby wearing more maybe <laughs> I know that's what she did yeah. she because she lived in like a few story walk up mm. and she was like oh I never used my stroller and you know what's funny actually about saying that is I had the biggest like misunderstanding before we went to Ghana the first time with Leo Mm -hmm. because my husband was like okay well we're not gonna take the stroller and I'm like how what (laughs) I use the stroller every day and he's like we are not taking the stroller to Ghana that's like not a thing And I could not wrap my brain around why we wouldn't want to take a stroller. And the thing is, like, you don't you don't walk anywhere that needs a stroller. Like if you're walking, you're in a mall Mm. Um, and like you you can easily wear you could wear your baby for that or Mm. hold your baby. But it's not like I was, you know, walking across town or (laughs) it wasn't like I was like I was getting around New York City everything is like confined to cars or you're Mm. at home or whatever but you don't need to be walking somewhere where there's a stroller and I tell you like I thought I thought he was just like messing with me and I thought he so didn't understand and the thing was I didn't understand Uh. he was like nobody needs and nobody uses a stroller now not to say there's no strollers in Ghana but like honestly there's not so many like 
safe walking sidewalks oh. that like it does really make sense you wouldn't need one <laughs> and, and and then everyone else baby wears so right. he was like we'd stick out like sore thumbs and we wouldn't even we barely use it so yeah in the end I was really happy for that insight but it's something that I told my friends in that were going to Thailand I was like you know I would probably reconsider like bringing your stroller Mm. I forget what they did but I was like maybe like think it through because who who even thinks that far you just think like what are you doing day to day here and if you're gonna go to another country you're not like thinking oh what do I not need um on this trip that I don't even know that I don't need. <laughs> yeah, that's so interesting. No, I mean, I wouldn't have imagined that either. Although, yeah, now I'm thinking about mm-hmm. when we went to the U.S. last year and my son was like one and we took a stroller and then we pretty much never used it. So it, we were just carrying it around <laughs> the whole time. So Yeah, I think um, one of the things that surprises people when they come to our house, too, is that we don't have a crib. Okay. Um, not that we're doing anything like super fancy, like teaching our kid to sleep in a normal bed. Um, we just, <laughs> we Googled and read a bunch of blogs for traveling families. And we realized that, um, or somewhere we read that uh, if you want your kid to be able to sleep anywhere easily, you should just have them sleep in a pack and play so we have a pack and play that we bring everywhere with us Mm -hmm. so that he can sleep he literally has his bed everywhere so the bed that's like in his room right now the pack and play that's in his room Mm -hmm. comes with us to all the hotels comes with well we have a separate one in Ghana, but like it comes with us wherever we go and then he's really able to just sleep in the same conditions, no matter where we are. Oh, that's a really good tip. I haven't heard that before. It was very perspective shifting. And I mean, a crib isn't anything too special, right? No. It's not like you're depriving your son of like a good place to sleep. It's just, <laughs> yeah. it's just a little lower and, and collapsible. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. Does he try to, is he at a point where he's trying to climb out of it? No, thank goodness. Uh, he just waits there. That's lucky. <laughs> <laughs> I felt envious of that. <laughs> what's that life like (laughs) (laughs) every kid is different (laughs) I know very different and so I'm interested actually like in your experience in Ghana and you so you mentioned that people don't really walk a lot of places um, or use strollers but I'm interested in what other differences you noticed um, in having a baby there or just in the lifestyle especially from New York City I imagine there's a few things that might be different oh there's there's a lot of different things. <laughs> well, I'll say this was a funny story of when we first got to Ghana. I was very nervous to have a baby in our really tiny apartment in New York City. It really gave me a lot of anxiety. I was trying to get out of our apartment, but our lease was like ironclad and we had a year and a half on it when we found out we were pregnant. So I knew that I would have a baby up to eight months in 600 square feet that was not just for him to play around that like included everything we owned Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and so very little space and people were like encouraging leo to like walk crawl walk whatever you know Mm -hmm. at like three months old and i'm like no 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 don't (laughs) like please don't crawl please don't walk at like five months old like don't do that early stuff because like 
I can't handle that. I need you out of this tiny apartment before you start moving around. Like, I'm okay with you on the couch. I'm okay with you on the floor. I'm okay with you on the bed as long as you're not able to, like, flip over or or move. <laughs> um, and so I, I explicitly said that so many times, like, out loud, whatever. I was like, you cannot crawl, bef- like, while we're in this apartment. And it was hilarious because we got to Ghana. And we arrived at his parents' house, like my husband's parents' house. Mm -hmm. And within three seconds, like we put him on the floor and he started like tummy crawling, like army crawling. And I was like, wait, is this a joke? Like I said, you're not allowed to crawl in the old apartment. You haven't shown any like motions that you're about to learn to crawl. And the second we get to Ghana, because we went straight from our apartment to Ghana, He's crawling and he, he like was crawling on his hands and knees when we got there, but also a whole like different thing that we experienced when we got there was, um, my mother-in-law was like, okay, so tell me what Leo eats. And I was like, breast milk. And we just started feeding him bananas. Yeah. She's like, excuse me. (laughs) This kid is eight months old and he's eating milk and bananas. She's like, "Mm." Okay, well, when we watch him, like, we're just going to be feeding him <laughs> Ghanaian food. <laughs> I was like, all right, sounds good. <laughs> so, like, so at eight months and one day or whenever we, you know, whenever we yeah. landed in Ghana, he went from eating breast milk and some bananas to, like, straight up eating uh, rice and, or sorry, like fufu and fish and all this stuff, but like blended up because he had zero teeth. Mm. Um, but he was basically eating everything just like a, a milder version of what we were eating mm-hmm. all blended up. And so that was a huge difference because they were like, that is not okay in Ghana. Like we start feeding our kids at like two or three months old tops. Oh, wow. <laughs> and so yeah. I was like, all right, go for it. (laughs) Well, that's really interesting for him. I love that he started crawling immediately. (laughs) He's like, this is, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I've got space. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And eating so many foods. And now uh, our daycare just tells us all day long, like, wow, Leo's the best eater. Like he eats so much food and he eats anything and all this stuff. And I was like, yeah, because He's been fed like huge bowls of yeah. <laughs> lots, lots of carbs and and meat right. since he was eight months old, and he's eaten entire bowls like every Whoa. single. You know, he was like, "I'm so starving." Was... <laughs> They've been giving me nothing but bananas. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. I do feel like that was maybe what was happening oh, no. too. <laughs> what? What's? What you said? Fufu? Yeah. What's that? Fufu is. I hope I don't get this wrong, but I think it's cassava and plantains first like crushed Mm -hmm. and then mashed and then like turned into this very um, doughy consistency uh, that is like pounded and pounded and pounded into this very smooth consistency and you eat it with like soup over it basically like Mm. fish soup over it. But it's a very... um, like starchy heavy sort of meal and so it's like a really (laughs) it's a it's a staple in Ghana and it's what Leo was eating from like you know moment one of real food and so 
he can pretty much handle anything. That's so good. I think I feel like that's the best way is just introducing them to all the foods at the start. It's like throwing your kid into a pool and being like, swim. It's like, here is the heaviest thing you can eat possible. Yeah. <laughs> like, enjoy it. Yeah. Well, have fun. I'm sure the grandparents loved mm-hmm. that as well, meeting him and um, mm-hmm. getting that experience, introducing him to the foods. That must have been pretty fun for them. Yeah. It's always so special and... Uh, to have like kids around they're so they're so much fun to watch and they're so much fun to just like witness and so I remember my my father-in-law saying like you know the house has never been more alive than when we're there so it was just like such a really such a good moment to realize like okay we're not just sort of like going around the world trying to like make this work just for ourselves like we're also really doing it for like our family mm-hmm. members and for Leo mm-hmm. and for the experience and for knowing that we could you know really try to do whatever we want and we don't really have to think you know well we don't know anybody that spends three months away every year so like probably not doable like okay how can can we make this mm-hmm. happen? Like, is it possible? Can we try? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like, you know, it's not easy. It's definitely a learning experience every time. And we make tons and tons of mistakes. And we have, you know, like we go through challenges and we cry and we have to work things out. And, you know, it's not just like a vacation in Hawaii for a week. Like mm-hmm. we're there for three months. It's extremely hot. You know, mm-hmm. there's not all the comforts of our home in New York City Mm -hmm. Um, but we are really committed to having this experience not just because it's a cool experience but also for so many reasons I mean you touched upon this in the very beginning about having like parents from two different countries I mean though my husband has lived in the U.S. for more than half of his life he fully identifies with being Ghanaian he is very much like Ghanaian first he watches Ghanaian news he has Ghanaian friends he like you know eats Ghanaian food he cooks Ghanaian food Mm -hmm. here like he is very much connected to his culture so I feel like it would be really doing him a disservice to not have his son be connected to Mm -hmm. that and also like me a disservice to not understand that part of my husband and to not have you know if we weren't able to do this to like not have that experience for my son Mm -hmm. and even more importantly I think that you know we live in New York City which is or around New York City right (laughs) not necessarily in it right now um but we live in New York which has a very diverse population Mm -hmm. but I think there's something so different in just having a diverse population versus like being in an all black area, like with black people everywhere Mm -hmm. and like what that could do for his, you know, identity and his confidence and all of that. Just even if it's only for a few months a year, like I think that that's super important Mm -hmm. um, because as a child with parents of two different races and two different colors, like it's something you really have to understand and come to terms with and and 
you know, choose how to identify and all that stuff. So mm -hmm. I just want to make sure that we're not only presenting like one situation, like here is the way we live. It's mm. like, no, there are like lots of places and lots of ways that you could like choose to live. And it doesn't have to just be like this way. And here are some other different scenarios. And so that was really important to me, like in having a, a child's I mean, maybe I would feel totally different if Rich didn't feel so connected to his country and culture and mm -hmm. all that, but he does. And right. so I want to make sure that, like, aside from just having, you know, a, a flag on the wall, uh, <laughs> he knows, like, what Ghana is, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> you know? And it's really cute because he, he says Ghana so cutely. Oh. Like, he's only two, so he doesn't say yeah. a whole lot of words uh -huh. correctly, but he's like... Ghana. Oh, it's really sweet. So sweet. Uh, oh no, I think that's such a gift that you're giving him to have that experience and get to know his family and his, you know, half of his culture and um mm -hmm. especially what you said about I mean the, you know, growing up black in the US, I think obviously mm -hmm. there's a lot of um things that need to still be worked on there and just being able to, yeah. you know, being aware of that I think is huge you know you can't just forget about mm -hmm. it I guess right you have to kind of be conscious of that not at all yeah I mean what a good set of parents I think he's got from for you guys and you know just like you know being open to that and showing him all the different ways to live I mean, it does really scare me. And tell me if this scares you, Mari, mm -hmm. but like it really, that having a global like family will then make my son want to live so far away from me when he's older. <laughs> yes, like, yes. Okay, thank uh, you so much for like teaching me what it's like and how easy it is to travel and like how possible it is. Now I'm going to go to New Zealand, <laughs> you know, right? you know yeah. halfway around the world and it really freaks me out like oh gosh I know I'm gonna follow my kid or I think I'm gonna follow my kid but please yeah. don't go too far away <laughs> I know I I feel that so much and I, I'm such a hypocrite because I've I done know. that to my parents <laughs> and I'm like I just know I'm like well since I did it it's probably gonna happen to me so I'm trying to come to terms with it but I hate it so much mm-hmm but, like, you can go and move, like, you already have the foundation to be able to, like, pick up and move. Yeah. And, like, if my kid in 20 years is, like, I'm going to live on a remote island, I'll be like, okay, cool. Get Sweet. get me a house We're next year. Yeah. Like, let's do this. Yeah. <laughs> I know. All right. Well, yeah, sounds good. I'll do the same. My son's going to be like, I'm like, please stop following me, mom. <laughs> We'll see. It'll work out. It'll be fine. <laughs> we'll make we'll it work. We'll see. Yeah. We'll report back to me in like 25 yeah, years. Yeah, right. we'll have to we'll follow up. <laughs> follow up the episode. <laughs> I'm curious, now that your son is two, I feel like it must be your flights are more, you have to think about them a little bit more because it's expensive to book him a ticket. Do you have any upcoming mm -hmm. trips or places that you want to go that you're planning on? That's such a good question. I actually don't have any tickets booked right now. I was just thinking, like, when, when we go to Ghana, it's like my brain turns off for a few months, and I'm, like, only focused on where we are, so now I sort of have to think where we're going to go next. But, yeah, I <laughs> I assume we'll slow down a little bit because I do not plan on 
paying full price for Leo to just go wherever. <laughs> um, so we have, we have definitely been trying to build our points balances and like just making you know, being able to redeem as many flights and get as many flight credits as we can so that we can sort of travel still in a way that doesn't break our bank. Mm -hmm. Um, It is insane to me that you have to pay uh, for a, you know, two year and one day old, the same that you would pay for a hundred year old that has their own money (laughs) or like, you know, a a 45 year old that has their own business. Mm -hmm. Like, come on, why are you making parents do that? That's like not nice. Um, but I'm sure we'll take him different places. My focus like every year is just like, how do we get enough points Because the last two times, actually, we flew to Ghana on points. So it's like, how do we get enough points to fly all the way to Ghana and back Mm -hmm. um, for everyone? And so now that goes up by 150% now. So I've only had to buy two round trip tickets and now it's three, which is super fun. Um, (laughs) But we'll make it happen. I mean, travel hacking is a beautiful thing. And so that's that's my plan. It is. Yeah. If any of you don't aren't familiar with travel hacking then just uh google it (laughs) you'll see but (laughs) i can explain it in a second it's just the the art of uh earning points and miles for then redeeming them for free flights and hotels so the majority of people are able to do that through actually like joining a loyalty program or like an airline loyalty program or um getting like credit card bonuses in the U.S. I mean, in in New Zealand, they have a few too, but in the U.S., they do a lot of credit card bonuses that you're able to sort of rake up a bunch of miles at a time and then, you know, redeem them for free flights, which is a great, great thing. And yes, I would definitely Google it if you're just <laughs> listening to this and hearing this for the very first time. It's life-changing. Yeah, and <laughs> thank you for giving that um, <laughs> summary. <laughs> just like Google it. Uh, yeah, I was going to say in New Zealand, it's like, uh, I'm sorry for anyone in New Zealand because that's just not the same here. Yeah. There's very limited uh, opportunities for that, which is unfortunate. But mm-hmm. if you're in the U.S., I'm sure other places in the world you can do that too. And I still use my U.S. Um, credit cards to get, break up points. So, um, As you should. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. I think that's about it. Is there anything else before – we have a few questions that I ask every guest. But before that, is there anything that you – feel like you wanted to say that you didn't say I think that like just really quickly to note um I found that it's been hard to create community but also I have found that uh you know using my son as a way to connect with people has also been really helpful especially when traveling you know people will start talking to you because you have a baby um and then you can ask them like do you have kids and all this stuff and I've I've, you know, created quite a few connections just on the shared experience of like having a kid, Mm -hmm. which is so universal. And then in line with that, I think one of the things that being pregnant in New York teaches you is like, you don't know anything about being pregnant. And like, there's so much to learn. And I say that like being pregnant in New York teaches you that 
because like there just seems to be umpteenth things that you need to know, need to be doing, need to, like what mm-hmm. activities, what tests you need to get done, what you need to be eating, what you need to be, <laughs> how you need to be sleeping. Like mm-hmm. it just feels like it's information overload. Yeah. And, you know, with a, with a very chaotic overactive city like New York it just feels like you're never doing enough and I think that one of the things that I love about traveling before I decided to start a family was just being able to go around the world and see that like so many people have done this everyone does there are so many people like pregnant and having babies all over the world every single day and the person that I like kept going back to was I had when I lived in Zambia at 24 Four years old um I had a sister that was also 24 or 25 and she had or a host sister sorry mm-hmm. um and she had four kids and we lived in a termite clay hut in like the middle of nowhere and uh for her first two kids she had a village head not village head woman but like a village wise woman Mm -hmm. come and help her and it's not like she had a doula or a midwife or anyone like that Mm -hmm. it was just somebody that had had a lot of kids had come and you know witnessed or helped her in the process of her labor and then her second two kids she did completely by herself wow oh my gosh I know. And I and they were all alive and all fine and all really cute mm-hmm. kids. And I think about her a lot because, you know, when I would get really, uh, you know, anxious or something about not knowing something or, oh, we're not going to have enough time to do this course or figure this out or Lamaze classes aren't a thing during COVID. Like, how am I going to be able to breathe? Mm-hmm. It's like, okay. chill out Erica like people do this everywhere I'm sure you'd be fine like and if you're not fine I'm sure like you can figure it out or if you needed to know that I'm sure someone could like tell you or something like that Mm -hmm. because you know there are people with a lot uh less resources and they're doing the same thing and so I think that was a really that was a really lovely lesson from my years abroad to just like take a chill pill and be like, okay, everyone has gone, or there's so many people in the world that has, that have gone through this same experience. Like maybe you don't need to freak out so much. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. What a good perspective that travel has taught you. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, I try to keep that in mind, even just not being pregnant, but like, you know, when it comes to raising a child and like feeling like you're not doing enough or not like doing the right thing and thinking like there were, there were a lot of kids who, you know, were just doing whatever, playing around and they seem to have a really great life. Mm -hmm. And so maybe you don't need all these like things to make sure your kid is like happy and distracted all the time Mm -hmm. and like learning and all this stuff. Like maybe you could just, like see how it goes and like let them discover stuff and let them play with stuff that isn't necessarily a toy and you know yeah that sort of chill parenting is something I feel like I I definitely like saw in practice in different places Mm -hmm. in the world and I like try to (laughs) remember that in moments of like exhaustion or whatever so I did want to share that since this is like the 
biggest adventure yet podcast. Like it is such a big adventure. And it also like, like the fact that we've been on so many other big adventures, like only, only adds to it. Right. So I love that perspective so much. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. It feels like a really good Oh, what a good message and something that I need to remember as well, (laughs) because it is it's so easy just with social media and all that. It's just so easy to get caught up in all the stuff that all the shoulds of what like you should be doing this. You should be doing this. You should be doing this. But yeah, exactly what you said is just, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, for thousands of years, people have been having children and with none Mm -hmm. of this stuff. Right. And they just do it. Mm -hmm. And um I think that's really good to remember. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. That's a really You're good welcome. thing to end on. Um, these are the questions that I ask every guest. Mm-hmm. The first question is kind of off the topic of, uh, you know, you, you need to fill your cup before you can fill <laughs> others, mm-hmm. right? So what is one thing that you've done for yourself lately? This is a great question. I actually feel like I tell so many moms this, but we have daycare. Mm. And so I have been able to take daycare dates with my husband. So like both of us are able to take a mental health day or whatever if we need it. And we have gone twice in the last few months to the Korean spa in New York city and like just been able to take advantage of like having, you know, eight hours where our son is taken care of. And if we just need like some couples time, we just need some relaxing time. Like we're able to just say, all right, next Wednesday, let's take off. Let's take our mental health day and let's like go to the Korean spa together. And that has been a beautiful thing. And I think that, you know, choosing to put my son in daycare, it was like such a big, big choice, I feel like. Mm -hmm. And it has really provided. um, And I know everyone does this differently um, and and chooses how to how to parent their kid differently and how to have their kid be busy all day differently. Um, But for a long time, it was just my husband and I because we we had a kid during COVID. So that was really hard. And then when we had a few months in Ghana, we had some help, you know, with the grandparents and that was a lot easier, but Mm -hmm. it still wasn't like eight solid hours of time. And, you know, my husband and I, though we work remotely, we have full-time jobs Mm -hmm. and we have to work eight hours at some point. Um, And so when we came back from Ghana, we had this like really strict, weird schedule where I would work like first thing in the morning at like five or six in the morning and then like switch off. And then I would start watching the baby at like 1 p.m. And then he would, you know, work through the night and we never saw each other. And so um, we did have a babysitter for a few hours a day for a short amount of time. But then like really getting this full eight hour day to be able to either work or take off and like have a day date has been really just lovely and has been such a cup filling uh, choice for us, not just for me, but for like me and my husband and, you know, going to a Korean spa is fun. Yeah. On so many levels. Yeah, I never, I've never been to one, but I remember in New York mm. hearing about them, and I never went, mm-hmm. which is a mistake. But <laughs> I'll try when it you sometime. Come next time, exactly. they let kids in. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> although I'm like, I like your idea of going without a kid. Yeah. Though. <laughs> True. I feel like uh, 
that's a whole topic for another day. But the working on the relationship, that's so important, you know, with you and your, mm-hmm. you know, with the partner, because it just changes yeah. so much after you have a kid. So what a great way to mm-hmm. take that time for yourselves and each other. Good tip. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, next question is, what is a book or maybe a podcast or a movie that's had an impact on your life that you've consumed recently? Oh, it's called The Happiness Project by Gretchen Rubin. Okay. I loved this book so much and I would recommend it to literally everyone, but also every new mom. It it was so good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a book that that literally the author was a parent so it was really like from her perspective she's a parent of two little girls in new york city so i felt very Mm -hmm. related to Mm -hmm. her story um and she was like you know what i just like don't i know that i can be happier and i'm and i'm like not i'm pretty annoyed pretty easily easily and i just don't find like delight in so many moments of my day it's not that i'm depressed but i'm just like i'm i'm sure there's a way i could be happier and so she she planned out a year of happiness um and i know that sounds a little crazy but each month she focused on a different way to like boost her happiness that was all backed by science so mm-hmm. like the first month was energy. So she like kept a, a tracker and every day that she woke up at like six in the morning, she checked it off. Every day that she went to bed by 10 p.m., she checked it off. Every day that she, you know, drank eight glasses of water, she checked it off because that's all like that's all proven to like keep your energy up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, every mm-hmm. day that she worked out every day and she gave herself all these challenges and things to do daily or weekly or whatever within that time frame. And then the next month she would work on a whole different aspect of her life. So the next month is like relationships. Mm-hmm. So like, how do you, you know, how do you make, bring more delight into your relationship and then you know it went into career and friendships and spirituality and all this stuff and I think that it's a really great book because it really goes through so many tiny little actions that you could um that you could incorporate in your every day that even if you just do one of them out of the whole book your your life might be brighter Mm -hmm. you know and I just loved her book. I felt like I found it at a time when I was like, yeah, I just don't feel that happy at this moment. And just reading it made me feel like, oh, okay, there are such tiny things that I'm in control of that like I can do as a mom, as a full-time worker, as somebody that has so many commitments, but like still these tiny little things that would make a difference. Um, And I'll just give you a quick example. Like my son just turned two and she gives, she uh, makes the case for doing like hard things that are like worth it because, um, you know, for the memories and also for to feel like you actually did something that like you're proud of. Mm-hmm. And so I was very close to buying and no shame for people that do this, but very close to buying a uh, birthday cake for my son at the, at the grocery store. Mm-hmm. Though that was like, that was like 
the worst thing that you could probably do in my house growing up because we always made our own cakes. Like not that we're bakers or anything (laughs) deserves to be on Instagram that we've made, but like we always just made box cakes Mm -hmm. and like made them into different shapes and stuff like that. So I said, you know what, why am I about to buy this cake that it just looks like every other cake that I've ever seen at a birthday party. Like, let me, we were doing a fish theme party. So I went and bought some funfetti box cakes and I, I spent like three hours making a little fish cake and it was so cute. And that was something that I don't think I would have thought to do. Um, unless I had read this book, the happiness project, because it really made this case for like, you know, some things are worth spending the time doing mm-hmm. and not like outsourcing right. or taking the easy route. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So love that book. Oh, I'm adding that to my reading list right now. <laughs> that sounds like a book I really want to read. I love that kind of stuff. So and that just that tip, I feel like I can already mm-hmm. incorporate that into my life of just yeah, especially having a kid. There's a lot of days where you're like, this feels really hard to do. But then, um, yeah, it's worth it <laughs> in the mm. long run. Okay. Um, and last question. Uh, what is a song that lifts you up or, you know, like makes you feel like you're having a good time? And I'm making a playlist of all of these. So we can all have a Are playlist you? of, you know, music that can just put us in a good mood <laughs> when we need it. <laughs> okay. Two. There's two. I don't know. If you're going to put the first one, my first one that I like really just love and I don't know why I don't even like country music, but it's Tim McGraw live like you were dying. Okay. Dying. Yeah. And it's like such a beautiful message that like I could listen to it on repeat all day. I could honestly listen to so many songs on repeat all day, but that one is so uplifting but if that doesn't go with your vibe of like really, really uplifting, yeah. <laughs> I feel like the that song from The Greatest Showman is such a pump up song. It's like, I don't even know what it's called, but you know the song I'm I, talking no, about. No, right? I don't know. Oh, yeah. I'm not sure. Okay, look up like the main song for The Greatest Showman. Okay. It is such like a pump up, exciting, like, I can do anything in the world. <laughs> the Tim McGraw one is a little bit more like subdued and a little bit more like on the sadder side, but like inspirational sad. Yeah. So, okay, well, um, I'll add them both. Yeah, those are two good ones. <laughs> yeah. Okay, <laughs> nice. Thanks so much, Erica. This has been such a good conversation and I just love hearing about everything you've been up to in the two years and your tri-coastal life yeah and take care and I hope we talk before what did we say like 24 years from now or whenever (laughs) yeah Yeah, hopefully we'll catch up again before that but (laughs) I'm sure we will Mari this has been just such a pleasure to be on this podcast and also I feel so grateful that you even thought of this podcast idea because I feel like it is such an important message to share like it's not just like once you have a kid your whole life changes and you're just super happy and know exactly what to do like for people that live sort of unconventional lives for anyone it could happen to them but for people that live sort of unconventional lives it really throws a wrench in a lot of plans and it's really helpful to hear other people like sort of living other unconventional lives and how they do it like I'm always 
so curious. I'm like watching everyone with a two-ish year old so closely because I'm like, how are you doing the cool things that I'm seeing you do on Instagram? I would like to know all the specific details so that I could do the same thing. And so I really appreciate you like creating this podcast so that we could learn from each other and just like feel like we're connected to a community that and not just so like in our own world so thank you so much oh well you're very welcome and thank you I feel like you just summed it up so well like you've (laughs) you've explained it way better than I ever (laughs) have um but yeah I'm really glad that you were up for being on this because yeah we're in the same boat and exactly I think it's just having that community and realizing we're in it together and we can do what we want with our lives and we can still have it all with a family, I think. Hopefully, that's mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the hope. Yep, yeah, me too. Exactly. <laughs> all right, well, if um, any of you want to follow in Erica, she has a lot of good stuff on her Instagram. It's erica.hackman, E-R-I-C-A dot H-A-C-K-M-A-N. And that'll do it. Talk to you later. Thank you. Bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you have any comments or things you want to say, then reach out at Biggest Adventure Yet on Instagram or leave a review on Apple Podcasts or rate us on Spotify or, you know, do any of the stuff that just gives some feedback. I'm used to making YouTube videos, so the podcasting space is weird in that you don't get the same kind of immediate feedback as YouTube. Uh, with YouTube, you know, people comment right away and it's kind of, you get a vibe of how people are enjoying your content or not. So any feedback or things you want to say, I would love to hear. So please let me know, leave it somewhere and hopefully I'll find it. (laughs) And thank you so much for listening. It's what are we on the fourth episode now? So it's a real thing, this podcast. It's been a really good journey so far of doing it. And there's more to come. Oh, and if there are any guests that you would love to have on this podcast, then also let me know and I will try and book them. All the music in this show is from Musicbed. And if you have a podcast or a YouTube channel, I highly recommend Musicbed to get the best music. I have a link in the show notes where you can sign up for an account and you can get one month free when choosing a yearly plan with my code that's also listed there. That's it for me. I will see you in the next episode. Well, (laughs) that's a YouTube thing, I guess, too. I won't see you, but uh, you will hear from me in the next episode. Happy traveling and happy parenting. Bye.